Hey there, Soul Fam. Welcome back to the Even Though Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Patricia. And it's official, folks. This podcast is official. We have our first official guest today. I'd like to have you all welcome my very, very special guest, the one and only Melanie Lynn. Today, our guest uh, is coming on board. I have asked her to come on board and she's been so brave and so gracious to come to agree to come to do this episode with me and touch on a point that I know for a fact I cannot speak on. So even though I do not have the experience in this, I do, however, want to be able to form some sort of connection through this podcast. That's something that I've always uh, said. And the topic today, I will have my disclaimers now that there will be some touchy subjects because we do speak on pregnancy loss, infertility, trying to conceive, and all the trials and tribulations and the emotional roller coaster that comes along with this. Now, I'm so, so grateful for Melanie to agree to come on here and share her story because this could be really, really hard. And the one thing that I do ask of everybody is that they just listen with an open heart. And that no matter who you are and how this topic may have touched your life, whether it's yourself personally, your partner, or a family member or a friend, I would love for you to be able, if you can, to listen and maybe contemplate any way that you can reach out um, either for your own help or to support others. So please, please welcome my very first and very special guest, Melanie Lynn. And I just want to say thank you because I'm so honored to be on this episode (laughs) and to be the first person is a little uh, overwhelming, but it's okay. We're going to do this together. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So my, even though is, um, because I've had multiple miscarriages, um, I choose to find the courage to speak out to others so that others know they're not alone and to raise awareness on like how to support someone going through this trauma and grief. Um, Somewhere someone needs to hear your story. Absolutely. And thank you so much. I want to start off by that before we even go any further. um, I know that there's always um, courage for sure. And uh, a lot of patience, a lot of different aches and pains that may come up in different conversations that um, you're being so generous by explaining it all here with us today. So thank you. Thank you. And let's start, I guess, with a little background. Who is Melanie Lynn? So Melanie Lynn, (laughs) Um, I teach kindergarten. I've been doing that for about eight or nine years. And um, I got married about three years ago. And we wanted to start trying right away, but we went on our honeymoon. And because of the Zika virus, I was like, 
they basically were like, no, you need to wait. So we waited six months and then we started trying. And I always kept thinking like, oh, this is such a big fear of mine. I like want, I, I want to get pregnant. I, I'm, I'm fearful that I never will because, you know, you go so many years with, with not wanting to get pregnant when you're younger. Right. So then it's like a whole different atmosphere and feeling when you're ready to just try. And we were ready. We started trying and I got pregnant right like pretty fast and I was like wow I'm so grateful to get be able to get pregnant in the first place because I know that so many people struggle with you know infertility and I have a cousin who who struggled with it and I always was like oh my gosh like I can't imagine how that feels so when I first got pregnant I was so happy so overwhelmed I was like wow this is so awesome I'm so excited and I remember my doctor saying, just ride this wave because there is chances that you can, you know, miscarry too. So just know that. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So, you know, we went weeks and I had my first ultrasound. We were so happy. It was one child and not two. And then, um, my 12 week checkup came cause I'd only had one, um, ultrasound at that point, my 12 week checkup came and the doctor put me in the office. She does like a checkup and then she used a Doppler and she's like, you know what? Because we found out actually what the sex was, um, because we did like blood work for it. So you could actually find out super early. So we had found out about around 13 weeks. So my checkup was around like 13 weeks too. So she's like, you know, because it's a boy, um, we can't really find like the heartbeat right now with the Doppler. So I'll just send you downstairs and we'll get an ultrasound. It's right before Christmas. Let's just do this. Um, and then you'll be on your way. So here I am like so naively thinking that I'm like, just like going to see my baby's heartbeat and everything's going to be fine. And this Christmas was just going to be the most amazing Christmas. So I go down and like, I'll never forget the girl just like, she just kept, like searching and like, you know, kept searching to find something and she wasn't looking at me. She wasn't saying anything. And I was like, I felt kind of almost like, like, I don't really know what was going through my head, but I definitely was naive. And then she was just like, you know what? I'm just going to send you upstairs. Just wipe this off. I'm just going to send you upstairs and you can talk to your doctor. And at that point I was like, um, why wouldn't she show me my baby? Then as I'm running up the stairs to go to to my doctor, which is, was upstairs. I'm like thinking, okay, this is probably bad. Like either something's wrong with the baby or I I didn't really know at that point. So I was sitting in the, in the doctor's office and in a room with nobody. And there's all these people behind the counter and I could just see them just kind of like whispering and like, I'm like, something's not okay. I just started bawling and they, then I knew that there was something that wasn't right. And they took me to a room and I sat in this room and luckily my mom lived like five minutes away. So I was able, my husband was at work. I went to this appointment by myself, um, not because of COVID because obviously there was no COVID at the time, but just because I was so confident and I was like, you know, she's just going to check on me and it's going to, everything's going to be fine. So I, I was just like to my husband, no, you know, you don't need to come to this appointment. So I remember just sitting in that room for a long time 
waiting and waiting and waiting. And then my mom came and then the doctor came and she, and she told me, we like, we can't find a heartbeat. And I was just absolutely devastated. It was so, I, I can't even tell you, like my feet fell from beneath me. I, 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 I honestly can't even explain. I just felt like I was floating at the time. And, you know, we got through that experience and that was kind of like my first nightly thinking, you know, I'm like 13 weeks. Like, how can this, how could this be? Um, but you know, we ended up having to do the DNC and that's where you go into the hospital. They put you under and they remove everything. And at that point, you just kind of want it to be done. You just, you just want to heal. And the first time was, was really hard for me. Um, then I got, then I waited a year to find out information on like why I miscarried. Cause I, and everyone just kept saying, you know, it happens, you know, and they, it's common. And I, I right. kept hearing that over and over and over. It's your first time. It's yeah. common. All the usual. Yeah. And yeah. It was just, it was definitely not. Um, I don't know. I just thought, I just knew something wasn't right. Right. I, I, I had this feeling and I was like, you know what? So I got, I went to a naturopath who specializes in like infertility and stuff like that. And everyone can figure out why I was doing that because they're just, you just had one. And I'm like, but there was this feeling inside me that knew that there was, I don't know. I just needed to figure out if there's other things going on with my body. So if I could do that, then like, I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So we did that. We found out a few things that I might have some thyroid issues. And I was like, okay, we'll just take this year to figure out stuff with my body. So we waited a whole year to try again. Um, so we tried again and I got pregnant right away again. I was like, okay, this has to be it. Like, uh, you know, I'm going to take progesterone. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this and it's going to be okay. And then I went to my ultrasounds. First one was always okay. And then I remember pleading with them because one day I was at school and I was like, something's not right. I just, I don't feel sick. I feel fine. And everyone's like, oh, you're just coming to that, that stage where you're just going to get better. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I don't know. So I called my doctor and I was like, I need an ultrasound like today. And they're like, well, we can't do one today. And she's like, I think you're just being, you know, a little bit paranoid. Um, and they were trying to tell me that, you know, doing one this soon is not good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, like I need one like now, like tomorrow, like today. And they're like, okay. So I waited a couple of days and then they did one and, and they said, there's no heartbeat. And I, and I knew in my heart. So if I didn't fight for that, then I would, I wouldn't have found out when I did, because I was supposed to get another ultrasound at 12 weeks or 11 weeks. And I think it was at like nine um, so, cause I didn't want to be caught off guard again, but in my mm. heart, I just knew that there is just something not right. So again, we go through the whole process. I had to get a DNC again, we got put under and like that whole process is super traumatizing to anyone. Yeah. Um, and I've never been for surgery. I've never been to the hospital for any other reason other than this. So this was like super traumatizing for me to be put under, especially cause it's scary. Um, so then after this one, I was like, okay, we, we need to figure things out. So I decided that, um, 
I was put on a waiting list for a fertility clinic and they were going to check things out. So they did their normal checkups. Um, it was kind of put on hold because that's when COVID started. And then the spring of last year, when they opened up in June, we had some testing done. Um, they said, you know, everything looks pretty good. Like we're just going to give you some progesterone and baby aspirin and you can try again. Right. So we tried again and I was like, you know what? Third time's a charm. Like this is going to be it. This is going to be the one. Um, and everyone kept saying, I have a good feeling about this. And I'm like, it's really hard to listen to that the third time when people say, Oh, it's, this is, this is, this is going to be it. Like, this is, this is going to be the one. Cause you, you want to believe them, but, but it's, it's hard for people that are in my shoes to, to hear that because you know, things can change on a dime after you've been through it two times now. So the third time I was feeling pretty, pretty sick. So I was even off work. Um, and everyone kept saying, Oh, that's such a good sign. It's such a good sign. It's such a good sign. And, And then one day it was like on a weekend and I was like, you know, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling pretty good. And by this time I was again, close to the 12 week mark. And everyone's like, Oh, it's just because you're close to the 12 week mark. You're getting better. So there was just something inside me that was like, you know, we, and they'd done, this was was probably now going to be my third ultrasound that I was going to. And, um, I went to my third ultrasound and again, it was around 11 and a half weeks. They said again, um, there's no heartbeat. And like, it was the worst feeling. I remember my husband driving me and we were just sitting in the parking lot and he's like, you know, I know you're going to come out and you're going to be smiling. You're going to be holding that picture. And I was like, and I really wanted to believe him, but it was just so hard for me to believe it because again, you just know that after you've gone through it twice, that things can just change like that. And I know that a lot of people are very naive who've never been through this before. Um, And people kept telling me, you know, I have a good feeling about this. And, and now that I've gone through it three times, um, my last miscarriage was really traumatizing. They wanted me to do these pills um, instead of a DNC because they say it's not good for you. So we did these pills and the pills just went really um, bad because everything didn't come out. And then I ended up having getting the DNC anyways. So I guess going through all this, it's just really hard to navigate is what I'm trying to say. Um, It's hard to navigate this trauma on your own and you need a really good support system of people you want some people to understand and empathize that it's not just about like losing the child too. It's about the question mark at the end of the day. It's about, will I ever get pregnant again? There's people that miscarry between children. And then there's people who miscarry before even getting the chance to ever hold the child in their arms. And I think there's a huge difference between infertility, people that have miscarried between children and then people that miscarry without ever. There's a, there's a, there's a wide um, variety of different things that you go through. And I feel like this is a separate topic. 
I mean, you could, you could do, you could talk to many people and they'll have different triggers, different stories, but never having to hold a child in your hands and not knowing that is a huge question mark for people that go through this multiple miscarriages before they even have one child, because you're just never, you're just always questioning, will it ever happen? You know? So you're not only just grieving the child, you're grieving what you could have had. You're grieving all the stuff that you've gone through. Um, like having to go through the procedures and all that to get rid of everything. And sometimes I don't even know even how to, to name it myself. When I say get rid of everything, I mean, get getting rid of the baby in, in, a, in a sensitive, what kind of way, I don't know else to how, I still haven't found those words yet of how to even say it because right. it just sounds, it doesn't matter what way you say it, it sounds hor- horrible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I was um, just going to say a- that it was like it, <sighs> what sentence could you use that makes a grieving mother feel better about what's happening? You know, like it, I, I couldn't come up with it. And I, <laughs> So, you know, I would imagine that having that type of experience multiple times in your life, it's like, how the hell do you find the words to be able to say that Mm. this process is anywhere near okay? Or, or like, even that to me, like coming out of my mouth just doesn't sound right. And again, this is why I go on social media and I've been very open about it. And some people think it's terrible And some family probably doesn't approve of it because I've heard it many times. Like, why do you go on and why do you share your story? And it's, it's not a pity party for me at all because, you know, I'm going through this and I'm dealing with my traumas in the most healthy way I possibly can. I've gone to grief counseling. I've talked to many numerous people, um, through my journey and, um, I've done life coaching and just stuff to just find a way to heal and move forward because I know that I have things ahead of me that, um, we're going to be doing IVF and that's super scary to me. And it involves a lot of strength because there's a lot of things that come with that. Yeah. Um, so this is just really the chapter in my life that I'm, I'm trying to advocate for others out there and people who don't know how to talk to you about it or because you feel very, it's very lonely. Um, you feel almost ostracized in between friends and family and people that are having babies around you. It's hard. And I know that other people don't know how to bring up the conversation and who don't know how to properly um, support someone going through it. Yeah. And then you've got another side of people that some people that haven't even gone through it are, have been super supportive and empathizing. And there's just other people that just don't know how to deal with it. And they just pretty much like ostracize you from the group or even from reaching out to you at all. Yeah. So just so uncomfortable themselves that it's like, yeah, like there's that part that I I would imagine. And I guess you can tell me if I'm 
if I'm wrong, is that being in your, in your shoes, in your scenario, it's like, I really don't want you to be primer proper. And if you don't know how to support me, ask me, you know, like, I just ask me how you can support me. Don't, I get that it's uncomfortable. And if you have to apologize about things being weird or uncomfortable, so be it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm being uh, awkward. Is it okay that I ask you these questions? Is it okay? You know what I mean? Like those kind of things. And I think even though I haven't been in, in your predicament, in your shoes with your experience for myself is I've had to, in my own past experience, I've had to tell people like, no, I'm not cool with that part of it. You know, like, so no, that's not supportive to me. And sometimes it's a matter of you becoming a little bit uncomfortable and saying, uh, no, I'm not okay with going there with you, or um, that's not the type of things that I'm feeling, or whatever the case may be, like all the different scenarios that you could explain to people. And how, like, how do you feel about that part of it? How do you feel about the part of, um, well, I mean, obviously, you're sharing your story. So you really want to, you really <laughs> want to be able to help others, like get the support, of course, but I guess, maybe that comes to, to where that, that question of, you know, what's your message to others, your message to other um, moms or parents uh, of every, of any sort, going through the experience of pregnancy loss or, or infertility. Um, yeah. Like what's your message towards that? Um, my message is, <laughs> Um, so basically when, I don't know, um, when you, when you're, when you're grieving, like a loss of something, this is a world that we live in that is just designed for people that are living and not people. There's very little space for grief and not a lot of people are experienced with how to speak to someone around grief and trauma yeah. and I don't know if that's really answering your question, but that's kind of the stuff that you have that me and my husband have to deal with a lot is, is being around people that this is part of our life. Now, you know, we've right. experienced three losses, regardless of what people think. And a lot of people think that, you know, just because it was not living outside of your body, that it wasn't a life. Like it didn't count. Like that doesn't count type of thing. And that that's very upsetting to me because yeah. the fact that some people that are pregnant now or people that have experienced having a child have to understand that as soon as you see that heartbeat on that monitor, you're up, you become a parent right away. You become a parent right away. You're fearful of going to the next appointment to making sure your baby's okay. Like you go through so many months of just being scared. And I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's ever going to be like to be a regular person pregnant. I don't want to say a regular person, but a person pregnant without ha going through what, what I've gone through. I will always be fearful. I will always be scared, but let's just face it. You're a mother too. Like, I'm sure you worry about your children every single day. They get a cough, they get a cold. It's yeah. no different than, than, than having that child inside of you growing. 
So what I sometimes struggle with is that sometimes it feels like people, um, don't get that. They're just like, Oh my God, why is this girl still grieving over her? Like, like that was like, you know, so long ago, but, and I get the rolling eyes. I get the, Oh, here we go again. She's sharing another thing on her Insta story, or she's, you know, posting another thing. But what I'm just trying to do is be open about it because there is people out there struggling and it's not easy for those people. It's really not. And it's very isolating. It's super isolating. Uh, I mean, I think that's the thing that I've struggled with the most is feeling isolated because all our friends around us have all had children and it's just constant around us because we're at an age where people are having children. Yeah. And we do feel like the only ones because we really are, you know, um, they always say you're one in eight or you're one in four, whatever the number is. It's true. Like there, but I do have a community of girls that I speak to that have reached out to me that have been open and it's only from being open that they've reached out to me. And I would have never known that they were going through that because they haven't been open about it, which is totally fine. You can be totally open or you can be closed off about it, but they've reached out to me. And I thought that was so awesome that they could reach out to me and say, look, I'm going through this too. You're not alone. And I guess that's why it's important for me to share for those simple reasons so that you're not alone. And then bringing awareness to others to help you deal with the grief and the trauma or the isolating feelings uh, of being the only one in your group of friends or family. Like, you know, I've had no family, like my husband's mom never went through it. My mom's never gone through it. Like no one in my family's actually gone through miscarriage. You know, my cousin went through infertility, like, but not miscarriage. And I do find that, yes, they're very much the same, but yes, they're not just what I spoke about before. Right. Right. It's, um, and then honestly, you get the people that have never gone through it at all. And they're so, so empathetic. And you're like, wow, wow. You just get it. Yeah. And, um, it, that's, that part to me is pretty amazing when you have friends like that around you that, that just get it and honor your grief and your trauma and understand everything that you're going through. Yeah. I think, I think a super healthy way, um, at least this is how I, <laughs> I kind of go through it. And it, of course it's obviously in more recent history, um, with getting through my own crap, getting through my own, uh, traumas and, you know, I don't want to say grief is grief, but hard is hard and everybody's hard is different. Like it's, it's unique to them. Right. And I think just because I haven't dealt with your heart doesn't mean I can't be empathetic, empathetic towards it in the sense of, you know, I'm never going to know what you feel like. And even if I went through something similar to what you went through, I'm not going to know what you felt like, what you went Mm -hmm. through specifically, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's this part of me that is always remembering that, okay, you've gone through a thing in your life where, you know, maybe people have never gone through and maybe they'll never understand. Right. And they're going to say all the cliche things like, well, it made you stronger or well, you're okay now. I get it a lot. (laughs) Right. Like all those like beautiful. I have no choice, but to be strong. You just, you just have to navigate your own way. Right. And and survive 
truthfully, you know, and some days I just feel like I am surviving. Um, I I feel like I'm surviving a lot actually most of the time and finding a way to get through every day differently because I, people used to say to me, you know, or you've heard trauma and grief changes you or like the death of your baby changes you. It really, it really does change you. And you're not the same person you were before. Right. The person I was before was naive. You know, I, I, I'd say that I was naive, but at the same time, I was also grateful that I got pregnant too, because as soon as I, I, I found out I was pregnant, I was like, wow, like, this is amazing. Like, I'm so grateful that this happened to me. You know, my whole life, I, I always wanted children and this was my biggest fear. And so like, oh, thank goodness, like it did happen. And then it was taken away from me, like in a minute, in an instant, you know, and like that day, I remember that day I was supposed to go shopping with my sister and my friend. And it was just, it was such a beautiful day out. Um, I mean, it was winter and we were going to like go shopping and it was just a nice winter day. And I was just on top of the world and it all was changed in the matter of seconds. Right. You know, like I literally had the floor swept out from under my feet. Right. And I have never actually been through an experience like that before. I've gone through death and grief with people in my family passing away and close friends as I know that you have as well, but this was a different type of grief and trauma. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I always try to be as, you know, kind with my words as I possibly can. I, I think this is actually one of the questions that I had lined up for you or as far as, you know, like, what's the language that really, that really triggers you? Like knowing for me, for example, when I'm trying to deal with, um, sorry, I'm not going to use the word deal because even that sounds... (laughs) like when I when I try to approach somebody like um say it's a client or even just a friend like forget clients like friends as well um who have gone through something like this like knowing that you know I'm a mother of three and yes I have experienced miscarriage in my life I've had a miscarriage in my life but I can't say that I can look back at that miscarriage and say to this day, I'm still heartbroken. Do I ever sit and wonder like, oh, do you think that was my little girl? You know, because I only have three boys. That are right. Yeah. I have three boys. Right. So it's like sometimes I'll think of like, oh, I wonder if that was like, you know, my little girl or, um, you know, I, there there may have been times uh, where I sit at the situation and I think, oh my gosh, can you imagine if I had four or, you know, like all the different thoughts that come up along with that. But I know that it's not the same. <laughs> it's, it's just not the same. So mm-hmm. I guess, sorry, going through all of that, my circling back to what are the type of things that you wish uh, other people would be a little bit more sensitive to like the, is there, is there a language that is better to use? Um, are there, there are topics that are, you know, like what are those phrases that are really, really triggering for instance? Okay. Here like, we go. The, the okay. Well, here all, we go. You know? <laughs> are you ready for it? Oh. <laughs> um, so 
I mean, the first one is, is super like people will say, Oh, it's the first time I'll never forget super common. It's super common. It's super common. Um, we're not just a statistic. We're like a person who lost their future that we planned, you know? Um, so it's, it's hard when you hear someone say like, Oh, it's so common. It's so common. Well, regardless if it's common, that was my child. Would you like, would you say that to someone who had cancer, I guess, you know, um, wow. super common, right? Oh, like, would you, would you say yeah. that, you know, and, and it's, it's really hard. And I know sometimes people don't know what to say. Yeah. And, the, and in that case, you just say, how can I support you? Um, how yeah. can I be there for you? Um, this is real. This must be so hard for you. You know, like saying it's super common is just you feel disregarded when mm. someone um so that I've heard many 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 times and by my third now it's just like no no regardless if you know you've known someone who had 10 miscarriages in a row it's it's never going to get easier when someone says it's super common like would you say that about their child like it's just it's just and the people that are parents that have children and say things like this, it, it's, it, it's, it's really hard for me. It's like so hard. Um, another trigger too, is like, um, is, is baby showers too. And like, maybe I guess, you know, being invited to a baby shower and you feel like such an asshole because you're just like, you know, like I can't bear to go and and enjoy their joy right now. Like I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. And some people have been like super supportive. And then there's some people that are just like, like, really? She can't even come to my baby shower. Like, or wow. maybe her, her miscarriage was like a year ago. Like, right. And, and that's never been the case for me because I've kind of had them consecutively. And so there's always something, there was always something coming up and, you know, baby showers involves being around like people who are either pregnant and involves like, um, and some people, again, are very understanding and be like, you know what, like, if you feel comfortable doing this or you have to leave, like, I get it. I totally get it. And maybe that would make me feel comfortable. Like, you know, like if, if I'll understand if, if you do want to come or you don't want to come, or if you do want to come and like, you can only come for a little bit, or if you can't come at all, like, honestly, I totally get it. Like, right. Um, and then there's always, um, can I add to that? Can I add a question oh, yeah. to that? Totally. Only because I'm curious. Um, cause I know it's different for everybody. So if somebody is having a baby shower, like obviously if I were, um, you know, a friend and I was like, Hey, you know, Mel, I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby shower. Do you want the invite? Is it some like, cause I, oh, could, I would imagine then you feel like you're included, which is great. And then right. you know what, but they, okay. they have to understand that like, even if you don't respond, it's okay. not because they're being like, I'm being an asshole or I'm just being an insensitive person. No, it's it, you know, leave that open. And it, and, and if they come, they come, if they respond, they respond. If they don't respond, it's, it's not, uh, um, 
what do you say? It's not, it's not a reflection of them as a being, as a being or that they're pregnant. And, you know, a a lot of people, times I go through anger, I go through jealousy, Mm -hmm. I go through all of the things in my head and, and I feel like a bad person. And to be in that space, to feel, always feel like that because you can't be happy for others. It sucks because Mm -hmm. I don't want to be known as, as not being happy for others because, um, I don't want to be a jealous person, but this, this going through this has, has made me into that type of person. And I know that I'm not the only one because we talk about it a lot in my TTC community. I call it. So TTC community is if people don't understand the term TTC is trying to conceive. There's so many different terms, but I have a TTC community of women that I, you know, that have reached out and we, we talk and we inbox each other and message each other just because I've been so open on my social media that I, that I have that I have these people from around the world and like that live in different countries that we reach out to each other. So it's been super nice in that sense. So sometimes people, Instagram is very triggering for me. Facebook's very triggering, but in another sense, I also find um, light on the other side because there is the same people going through this thing. So when I see that, it's like, Oh God, I'm not the only one alone. I'm not the only one feeling these feelings of jealousy or, you know, resentment, anger, like all these things, because in the beginning I used to be told by family, you know, you have to be happy for other people. And I was like, Whoa, what? And I actually believe that I had to be happy and it, and it killed me every day. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I'm being such an asshole. Like I need to be sorry. I keep saying asshole because it's the only term I know, Okay, (laughs) but I feel bad that that I have these feelings already. So I'm, I'm already struggling with my grief, my trauma that I have to feel bad about this now too. Like that, that's a lot, that's a lot to put on someone who's going through that. So I guess that's another thing that I would say to people is, is no, you don't have to be happy for other people. You know, you really just don't. And then that's okay. Yeah. It's, It's very much okay. Um, and I've had to really learn that and, and, and speak up to my family and, and, you know, and people that, that tell me that, and it's truthfully, it's mostly like, um, close people to me that had, that had said that to me at some point, but I think they're understanding it now better that I've gone through my third one and they're like, okay, this sucks for us too. You know, um, going through it with you as well. Like they're mad for me. They're, they're beginning to understand the anger and the madness and the jealousy and resentment for me, for me, because let's just say it was like, you know, my mom who wants to be a grandmother, she's mad because she's seeing other people like getting, being able to be grandmothers and stuff like, like that, you know what I mean? Or just not understanding why it it happened for her. And she had three children and not for me. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of my, it's, my take on that one. <laughs> I can I can definitely understand that. Um, in in my life, I have a great friend of mine who has struggled with infertility as well, and you know it does it it does get to a point where you yourself are kind of like. I remember one of her pregnancies where things were just looking better than they ever did before. Like it was like okay, this is it this time. Like we're sure. And I'm, I'm cheering her on. I'm being the cheerleader. I'm like, we're going to do this. Don't worry. It's okay. Like I kept on being that person, not knowing 
right? I'm like, just calm down. Okay. Let's just stay calm. Right. Like a con- this constant state of, okay, oh, let's, yeah. let's stay calm. Everything's going to be okay. Like we're going to do this. Like we're good. I can't wait. And da, 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 da. I'm like, I went out and bought a whole bunch of cute little onesies and it's like the miscarriage comes and I'm like, oh shit, I failed. I failed as a friend. Like I, I failed. I, I upped her way too much. I went and like gave her false, um, false sense of positivity, I guess. I don't and know. False sense of hope too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because- false, yeah exactly. Yeah. And there is, and I think on the outside, if I can, like that part of like, holy shit, like I feel real guilty right now. Because, yeah, I do understand that as a friend, but you are doing what you thought you should do to be there to support her. And honestly, I think that's so great too, because I've had, I had a really good friend that was like pumping me up before, before my last miscarriage ultrasound. And, um, she felt really guilty after I was like, honestly, it's not your fault. Like it's not your fault. Like, I know that you're just trying to be positive for me. It's the people that don't say anything. That's right. That that is, that is harder. It's isolating and it's, it doesn't feel good as much as they think they're helping by not being there. It's, it's actually more detrimental to, um, just kind of disappear. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's makes you feel so ostracized and lonely. Like mm-hmm. I can't get over um, or like stress it enough that that is the biggest thing that I felt over the last three years. Because like I said, we are really the only friends, uh, you know, around that, that are struggling. You know, I have other people that I know that have, are, that are like acquaintances and stuff, but in my group, close-knit of people there is nobody else yeah so it's hard when you have to be put in a situation where you you know you've had to be but honestly COVID has been amazing because it's been great because it's just like okay I don't have to hang out because it's COVID so and I'm not and I'm not like that at all I'm not a homebody necessarily I'm more of an adventurer like to be around people I'm you know doors cottage yeah like I, I love but I've I've found that also with COVID that it's not, it hasn't been helpful either going through this trauma and grief at all, because it's just making me more isolated from Mm. the world and myself. Um, right. So yeah. Um, and I guess one more thing really that I really wanted to touch on is, is pregnancy announcements. Um, there's a good, good way of a friend being able to, um, warn you like I've honestly had a handful of friends since I've been so open on my social media reaching out to me in the most respectful way and I was like damn I wish everyone could be like this wow and the people that I didn't even expect it from were so amazing at being able to do this so my best one of my best friends she had her baby and then she also um lost in between and so she kind of knew what miscarriage felt like, but yeah. then she also got pregnant again mm-hmm. and she was very nervous to tell me, which I totally understand because, you know, yeah. Yeah. she's feeling a little bit of guilt. Right. And man, I, I have a friend at work that I was pregnant 
before her and I knew she was trying and I was like, and I got pregnant and I felt instantly felt like survivor guilt. I was like, Oh my God, like, I feel so bad. Like, I, I don't know how to tell her. Um, but this friend of mine reached out to my husband first and was like, I want, I don't want to tell her cause I want her and I don't want to call her cause I want her to have a safe place to be able to, um, take all this information in, you know, I want it, I want her to feel safe in a place where she doesn't have to fake being happy, like it, oh, it can be wow. in a safe place. So I just thought that was the most respectful and honorable thing to do as a friend and someone who really cares about your feelings. And she did, she, she told my husband and then my husband's like, you know, I have to tell you something. Um, and, and it was so awesome that he was able to tell me in a place like in a safe place. Right. And that was my first experience of someone being able to, to, to pre-warn me than having to wow. hear about it on social media or hear about it from the other person or having to react, like have them call you and, and you're supposed to sit there and be super happy for them oh, when yeah. you're yeah. when you're for yourself. Yeah. You now I've had, and now after, since then I've had uh, an acquaintance reach out to me, like we're friends in the same group of friends, but she reached out to me and she was like, I just want you to know, like, I wanted you to hear this from me first. I might not share it on social media. I'm, I might, I may, but it was like a couple months prior to um, anything she'd ever posted. She was like, I'm pregnant. I just wanted to let you know and, and tell you in a safe, like, I, it was just so awesome that like, and then honestly, it's happened about a handful of times. Right. Um, in the most respectful way. I just had someone the other day from work message me this, the girl that I, I work beside, she already had a son and she had multiple miscarriages in between. Right. And I, again, I was pregnant one time and then I like, I'd be pregnant and she'd be pregnant. Like we both like kept losing at the same time, but she'd already had her son. So she's recently now pregnant and she wants to tell. So we have a group chat in our kinder team and she, reached out to me the other day in the most beautiful way. She's like, I want to tell the team that I'm like, cause she's staying home next, next um, school year. And she's like, I want to tell the team I'm not coming back and that I'm pregnant. And I'm like, and she's like, but I want to say it in the most respectful way. And, and what would you feel like? What would make you feel better? Like, would you, would, would you like it if I shared individually with them or in the group chat? Like, how does that make you feel? Like she was being so honorable of my feelings Right. Um, that I was like, that's just such an amazing thing to do. And I said, you know what, just because she opened up to me like that and pre-warned me, I was like, you know what, I want you to share it in the group. I want you to have that happiness. Like the fact that you just care about me so much to like pre-warn me is amazing. You know, like mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, I'll just turn off my notifications. So I don't have to like read everyone's congratulations and stuff because it does get overwhelming. That's a yeah. huge trigger for me. Um, so it was super, super nice that she did that. And I was just like, wow, that's such a good friend, like someone who really cares about your feelings. So basically those things are, are the things that I feel like are such a great thing to do as a friend to support someone going through it. Right. Yeah. And it's, in, in such an honorable and respectful way. Yeah. It's a great, um, I mean, of course, for, for somebody like you, for example, who is like very open and honest about it and out there on social media and sharing, you know, like your story, 
it's easier for people um, to be able to kind of share those those sort of things. And obviously, people who are close to you in your life know these things, right? It's something that you share with your close friends. It's the type of, of, of you know, saw sobbing type of phone call that you could have with a friend and be like, I trust you. And, and this is what I'm going through and whatever the case may be. And um, the, I guess, I wonder if there is something that is a little bit more, I don't know if generic is the word I'm looking for, but maybe generic where for people to kind of remember when they're posting, cause I know it's really like, it's, it's really difficult to to address the masses like people who are out there who are influencers for example I know that I you know I don't have a huge following and I'm not claiming to be an influencer because I mean (laughs) you know the whole 1300 people that follow me is not a lot of people but I do know that I Oh, it's still something, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I do know that that it doesn't um, matter the number. I just right. It matters the people. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's what I'm saying. So, like, I know that even though I don't have like a huge audience, I know that my my posts, depending on how I hashtag them and whatever, they reach people. They reach other people. Like, I have people who like them that don't follow me because it's just a you know a post that I put out there in the world. So when there's things like that that are out there, um, obviously, if it's friends, if you know that you have a friend, I think that what you said where you, you kind of reach out and give them that space to be able to, um, I guess, process ex- it. yeah, process it. But yeah, exactly. Process in it a in a safe place. In, in a, a safe in place a- where it's like, at least, for example, when your husband was like, listen, so-and-so called me and this, this and this, you you had him there with with you, you know, like he was the person who was going through this with you just the same. So it's at least you had that safe space to process that. Is there, is there something that other grieving moms can do to help them kind of um, get through that on social media? Like, is there, I don't know if I'm asking the right question. Yes. So is there a way to help those triggers? Yes. Thank um, you. To make them a little bit more easier. Or maybe even a little bit out of your way as well. Like, is there... Um, so the thing is, is that with, with my triggers, I, I, I deal with them every single day, you know? Mm-hmm. And some days are harder than others. And you just find a way to the, the, the way I deal with my triggers is I unfollow people and follow people or I turn off their notifications. Um, because I, I do love my social media again for, for the things that I see, you know, I can't turn off everything because that's not, um, feasible. Yeah. And unless you just completely don't want to go on social media. I've had girls say that to me. Like, I just don't go on social media anymore. Yeah. And for me, that's, that's just, that's not solving a problem. Cause I still want to be able to be, to put myself out there and 
to read other people's stories and be there for other people. So right. it's, it's not the best way, I guess, to just completely go off it. And, and of course there's so many times where you should just go off social media because it is good for you. <laughs> you know, you don't need to be on it all yeah. the time um, because it can be very, um, what's the word? Oh, um, I don't want to say overwhelming, but just always looking at the same stuff or like you're just constantly being triggered is not good either. Yeah. But what I would say, like on mother's day, I completely deleted my, my two, my two apps, the Facebook and Instagram. And I had a whole day because, and I did that because I, sometimes you just automatically pick up your phone and you just start scrolling. You don't even realize you're doing it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Just like, it's just habit, right? You just pick up your phone. So, you know, there's other things I scroll through TikTok or my Pinterest board, you know, um, and those are the other things that I, I look at instead of the triggers from Facebook and Instagram. And, and because of doing that on, on my first mother's day this year, I completely deleted it because I knew I was going to get triggered like super badly. Cause I was, I'm still in a, in a not amazing place with my grief and trauma. Uh, yeah. it's, I'm still going through it. It wasn't super long ago. It was January, you know? So, um, it's still fresh to me. So, and, and go, and then going, starting a new fertility clinic and then knowing that we have other things coming up. Like I'm, I'm in a spot where like this stuff is still triggering to me and it yeah. always has been, but I feel like this year it's been, it's been a lot harder again. Cause I'm Gosh. isolated. I'm feeling isolated and yeah, it's just a not yeah, good just, place to be, but being a person this year is enough. Oh yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and you know, and, it's not to say that like there's other people going through a lot of other stuff that like, yes, there's probably moms with postpartum and stuff like that. But that's like, I'm not saying their issues are less than mine or more than mine. They're just different. They're just different and equal. Yeah, of course. And if someone wanted to be open about it and I knew someone was struggling, I, I would really try and be there for my, as, as a friend. Right. Because right. I know that's probably tough too. It's not an easy thing to go through postpartum, going through postpartum too, and not having a child at all is also something too. Um, that's a whole other subject, right. but on mother's day, when I completely deleted those apps, I was like, wow, like I can learn to focus on something else other than those things. But what didn't help me was I went, as soon as I brought back those apps, the algorithm still had everyone's posts. So it was mm. basically like mother's day on the next day anyways, for me. And then right. I had a full on meltdown in the middle of my workout and was crying like a baby on my yoga mat. So, um, did it, did it, you know, the crying definitely just helped. And, you know, maybe next year I'll, just, I'll delete it for two days instead of one, you know, but, um, I've definitely learned my lesson, but you just, you find ways. And, and it, it's really hard to say, like, how do you avoid those triggers? It, it's, you can learn different ways to cope with it and everyone's going to yeah. have their own ways, you know? Yeah. So it's a hard question to answer, but those are how I, uh, how I've kind of gotten through things. Yeah. Um, and triggers like with people being around people that are pregnant or, um, that have just had their baby. That's really triggering to me too. So again, cause it's COVID it's easier to not be around these people. And then some days I might be totally fine and be like, okay, I can do this today. You know, like yeah. I have the energy to do this today. Maybe I don't tomorrow. Maybe I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm going to cancel plans because like, but that's okay. Like, it's okay to, to have those days and it's okay to have those triggers and, and not feel like it 
that day. My husband even knows that like it, that it's hard for me to be around people like that. So we have the conversation. Do you want to hang out with these people today? Are you okay going to this person's house? Are you okay if I just go alone? I'm like, yes, you go alone. Do your yeah. thing. I don't care. Uh, I, I, I can't, I can't, it's too heavy today to deal with that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm never just like making an excuse for myself. Cause some days I really do try and I have, and I, and I, and I went to, um, my, one of my good friends shower. And that was like the first shower I'd gone to in like two years in the fall. And she was like, Oh, you know how much I appreciate that. She went, she had her, they had their baby through IVF, but they never had miscarriages. Um, so, but to me, she's always been a caring person and a caring friend who calls and wants the best for me. And was like, I want you to go to this fertility clinic and like trying to like tell me things about like what is coming up in my life. If we do choose infertility, if we do choose IVF, sorry. Right. But, um, she's just been a very supportive friend and I felt so comfortable being around these people that if I had a moment, it would be okay. Mm. And, um, and I, and I, and I got through the day and it was so awesome. And I, I had a really good day because I had people there that just understood and, and, and right. I could speak about it if I needed to, if I was having a moment and I yeah. wouldn't feel judged because these people, a couple of people at that party were people that reached out to me and said, look, I, I'm pregnant and I wanted you to know. And it was easier for me to be able to deal with their pregnancies because they were so um, empathetic towards me. Right. That makes any sense. Absolutely. So that would be the difference of me going to a, a baby shower that I feel comfortable with the people around and that have been there for me than going to another shower that maybe those people in that group were not very empathetic towards what I'm going through or that I feel like I couldn't cry or maybe, you know, I'd have a moment and I wouldn't have anyone there for me to understand or be like, Oh God, she's making it about herself. Like, right. do you know what I mean? Right. So, so yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and there's so much I appreciate. I want to say thank you so much for being able to, show up with this and number one, still have a smile on your face because oh, thank you. I mean, this is definitely not an easy topic and I don't care what day of the week it is. You know what I mean? Like I could imagine mm-hmm. that, you know, just because today is Thursday, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Does it, does it mean that it's easier than it was on Tuesday, for example? So um, thank you for not only speaking to me about this, but to speaking to my audience about this and to all the other moms who have never dealt with loss and also to all the moms who are still dealing with loss. So mm-hmm. it it's definitely, it's given me, um, you know, like just touching on um, sharing on, the different ways that you can share like your your pregnancy uh, announcement or gender reveal or whatever other you know all the other things that come along with um having a baby on social media it seems because like when I had my kids there were there wasn't any of this stuff it was the stuff to me just seems like it's like a lot <laughs> all of a sudden oh my gosh so- you just feel like everyone around you is pregnant now this and is it's like 
Yeah, yeah. And it's not only it's not only that part, it's just also even the events that come with it. Yes, there's like multiple events. A picture for this, a picture for that, a picture for this, a picture for that. Right. Like so there's only so much I can handle. Right. And I was like, wow, I you know, and then if I know it's completely off well, it's slightly off topic, but you know, then it brings the just seeing all of these things where my kids you know, didn't have all these things. And you speak to, you know, the guilt of being that, that really good mom and presenting yourself in a, in a way that you, you know, on social media. So I appreciate you addressing that part of it because it, it's something, it's a topic for everybody. It's a topic for people who have dealt with loss. It's a topic topic for people who are parents. It's a top, you know what I mean? Like that, Mm -hmm. that area is something that I can relate to uh, very strongly, even though it's different. Exactly. Yeah. So to make that whole wordy paragraph, long story short, I'd like to thank you for sharing that and to even um, sharing light on how we can, if we know people, especially that are, you know, going through, uh, loss, uh, whether it's pregnancy loss or infertility or how, whatever your story is on how there's a more gentle way of sharing things, a more respectful way of sharing things, because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it, you know, it could be real nice to kind of do what everybody else is doing and like, Oh, what a cute gender reveal idea. I'm going to do that as well. You know, like to, to go along with what everybody else is doing on social media. <laughs> it, it could definitely, you know, add to the, the feelings of oh, that's, that's something else, whether it's a trigger for you or it's, Oh, I wouldn't do it that way. Or I can't wait to be able to plan my own, like all the what ifs or the ands that come along with, Melanie Lynn and her story and everything that comes, you know, along with it. So I really appreciate your shares and just speaking to not only my people, but the people, all the people um, around this. So welcome. And I'm so honored. Um, And I, 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 I'd love to speak again, if there's another topic or anything, you know, because I'm just really trying to get to get this out there. And again, it's not a pity party for me. It's me advocating for others that are going through the same thing. The girls that I speak to on a daily basis in this, in the community that I am in and the worst girl gang ever, we call it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, Literally. um, It's not, it's not the group that you want to be a part of, but you didn't choose it. And neither did they. So we didn't choose this group, but it's amazing to have a support system and for people to just understand. Yeah. And that's, that's really, that's really beautiful. Even that, just that statement there, it's like, it's the truth. It's the group nobody wants to be a part of, but it's like, Oh, thank goodness that I have this group. So it's like, mm-hmm. I know that in, in different aspects where it's like my own uh, grief groups that I've, I've been a part of in my lifetime is it's definitely the same thing. I would prefer not to have to be here, Exactly. <laughs> but this is my story. 
I'm very happy that this group exists. So I, I, that part I can definitely resonate with a hundred percent. Is there, I guess, you know, in, there was one time that really stirred something for me. Um, and it was in something that you shared. And I'm going to kind of do this for, for you know, verbatim because I, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. But I remember that there was a post that you had shared. I believe it was on your stories. And it was something to do with, uh, you know, this. I don't want anybody to think that I'm att- or you know, people may think that I'm attention seeking or something to that effect. And I'll never forget this post or, or the way that you worded it, because I was like, I'm not, and it's like, you know, F the rest of the world, because yeah, this girl does need the attention right now. And if anybody is judging the fact that like the reason we do the things that we do is because we need that attention in that moment. And it breaks my heart to, to when I see other people who are like, ah, I don't want, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm uh, a burden or, you know, fill in all the words that kind of fit in for you, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, here's, here's Mel again with her. Da, 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 da. just like here's Patricia again with <laughs> blah 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 you know like and I say it all the time I say it all the time where I'm like I know I've said this a million times but I found my freedom I found I know that there's trauma it's like and I've had the feedback of is that all you talk about is trauma can't you get over it it's like <laughs> um yeah that's what I'm doing that's what I'm doing here on Mm-hmm. this platform mm-hmm. right so I appreciated being able to like resonate with you in that moment and knowing that I knew that there there was the that was the the definitive moment where I was like she needs to be on my podcast I need to have her <laughs> I need to share her story and like uh-huh yell in her war cry with her type of thing. And even though it's not the same as my war cries and my traumas and my past experiences, it's, Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of, can we not just all be empathetic in some way, shape or form, even if we don't understand completely. And I don't know if you're, if you're Christian or if, if if anyone believes in God out there, but we're all here for a purpose. And the purpose Mm -hmm. is to be God's people and helpers. And my point is, is that we're, we're being a neighbor and a friend to, to everybody. And, and God wanted you to help people to help others. Right. Right. And, and, and that's basically what I'm just trying to do really is help as, as help others and be there for others. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I think when we have our own experiences like this, where it's like, I, I have this experience in my life, it gives you that ability to be more empathetic in that, in that, in that area. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, you know, I, I have a lot of people that come to me that, 
um, we'll talk about whether it's their business struggles, because that's something that I've had in my life, or it's childhood trauma of whatever sort, whether it's, you know, neglect, abuse, or, or sexual trauma of, of any sort. It, it's, it seems to be something that just kind of comes into my magnetic field because it, it's, there's an empathy that's there. I have this empathy <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, I can resonate with a lot and of And when you're stories. sharing your story, you're helping others. And like, that is my biggest quote is like, right. it's when you're sharing your story, you're helping others. Yeah. You're and letting it, people know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that there are other people out there that deal with it in different ways and there's no rule book and there's no right or wrong to whether you're doing this the right way or not. Because at the end of the day, somebody, there may be moms out there who have, uh, you know, shared the same story as you through pregnancy loss or infertility or whatever the case may be, um, where it's like, they're uncomfortable with you sharing because they haven't been able to deal with it the way you have. Right. Mm -hmm. Or they haven't found their place yet. They're not place. They're healing yet. Like they're that, that thing that gets them through, like where you talk about your, your group, for example, and sharing your story, your ability to share your story and help others. Like that's your, that's your, um, strength your this is what brings me through it's like I'm I'm gonna help others through this as well because and, and to be honest I, I I don't really know what I'm doing either but I, I'm also getting the help I need to on my end I'm not just 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 being I, I'm finding and looking for the help from you know therapists and um, grief counselors and uh, like and doing it all like all of it coaches you name it I just want to be, to be better and feel better. And if I can do this and share my story and, and, and fix or help or anyone else going through the same trauma, like that's what I want to do. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. Cause it's, it's my, my, you know, I started off in finance, corporate finance to be exact. And I ended up here. So obviously it's for a reason, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I love it. I think it's so amazing. And I'm so honored again. Thank you so, so much. I would like to thank you all so much for listening to the podcast today. And a very special thank you to my guest, Melanie Lynn, not only for sharing your story and your journey, but also for being the very first guest on my show. It means everything to me. Thank you all for the time that you've given me. I know that I can never give it back to you, so I appreciate you sharing it with me. I'd love you all to have a fantastic rest of your day. Be safe. Find your freedom. Chat soon.